0: Welcome to the Legacy Hour here with your Legacy Facilitator, Roger Masalo. And today we're going to talk about something that's a little bit more uh, close to home and more specific. We're going to talk about the art of making an off-the-market deal. Uh, that's right. You know, a lot of people uh, ask me uh, a lot of questions with regards to this. And part of being the Legacy Facilitator is uh, being able to identify what uh, good off-the-market opportunities are, how to analyze them. I have talked about in a different podcast that there are different types of investors and they look for different things and different types of returns and have different approaches as how to analyze these type of deals. Um, But it's also very important for you guys to understand that there is a process uh, to this. And the process is simple yet very complicated. Uh, There is a certain amount of uh, psychological warfare that goes on and there is um, a big part of it that's being able to match the perfect match. So, if you're good at uh, these these type of deals, uh, then what happens is you're able to identify the match in uh, without having to show very many uh, properties to the investor. Which means I could only show him one or two, and he'll buy one of one or two of those. It's it, it, it's an artful part of the business. Which means whenever I meet with an investor, I take the time, I sit with them, uh, I sort of analyze. What their comfort level is? Or are they more of a cap guy? Or are they more? Uh, uh, are they looking for something a little bit more secure? Are they looking to invest some time into their investment because you know time is money? So the more time that you put into it, the more money that you save. But you're also taking a lot of your time. So depending on what this person uh, uh, is uh, approach is, uh, we're able to identify what a good investment is because some people. Uh, you know want to buy something vacant and uh, really like destroyed but other people uh, don't want the headache they just want to buy a building that's uh, fully stabilized uh, get their cap rate get their good return and uh, not have to worry about anything else Uh, other people are trying to uh, convert buildings change their usage Uh, some people specialize in commercial and uh, they have a a plethora of uh, commercial tenants that are uh, available to them and that they're able to plug and play Whenever they find a building with vacancies, or uh, you know, other people are really specialized in buying, uh, buying out tenants or arriving at understandings at, with tenants in order to, to vacate the premises, in order to change the usage or vice versa, or whatever the case may be. At the end of the day, the approach is very important to identify with the investor. So whenever we have this meeting, and I'm able to identify what best, uh, what's that investor's approach, uh, and. Uh, if not um, if not just that investor's approach, but what I feel they should be looking at that they're missing out on, you know, a lot of times uh, right now the market's very hot for, uh, you know, student housing, and that's a completely different approach as how to approach student housing and maximize rent with units. Or, uh, you know, Airbnb was a fad for a very long time. I'm not saying that it's not anymore. It's just that you have a lot more restrictions, so you have to be a little bit more uh, strategic in your approach and how to approach it. Now, having said that, there is um, uh, there is an artful part of this. Once I've identified this investor fits into this category and this is the best type of property for him, I got to start digging. And when I start digging, trust me, I dig. There's no two ways about it. I'm looking at every and any possible avenue in order to identify that type of property. Now... I'm doing this activity, whether I have an investor for it or not, because again, in this current market, which is a seller's market, we are extremely low inventory. There's not a lot of properties on the market. And in order for me to dig up, uh, to have an advantage, I have to have sort of uh, these uh, pocket listings, as you call them, or these, these deals. Now, I'm going to be frank with you. Uh, sometimes I look at acquiring them myself. Uh, sometimes I look at uh, partnering up with people or uh, uh, doing it with a private. I I do my own deals, but other times it's like um, seeing that I'm a fantastic intermediate. Uh, it's it's okay to take a commission and uh, move on from it. I only have a certain number of hours in a day that I can work. Now, having said that, when I have when I identify a match, which is an investor for a type of property, I've identified the match, and. You know, this is me being cocky a bit. I know it better than the investor. I know that this is exactly what they're looking for, whether they've accepted that that's what they're looking for or not. And that's like years of experience. That's buying my own deals. That's investing in real estate. That's a lot of different things. And I've identified the type of profile. Once I know what the profile is, it doesn't really matter what the investor is going to say to me. I know that that's a fit for them. Now, there are variables. And sometimes people don't have enough experience with a particular niche, and I understand that. And maybe sometimes I will not be, uh, you know, uh, you know, I'm trying to squ- fit um, a square peg in a round hole in the sense that the the person uh, doesn't see it, even though I see it. And maybe uh, my uh, high D personality, my uh, Type A personality, <laughs> doesn't. Uh, 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 you know, uh, act in the most uh, patient way, and I and I try and force the issue. Uh, however, uh, one thing is for sure, and you can talk to any client that's I've ever represented. They're always satisfied because I know how to identify what they're looking for and get them that sweet deal. Now, if you're a seller, also, I also know how to match a good buyer, and this is part of the art of the deal. Now, once I've identified the 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 seller, once I've identified a property that is Not for sale, that is not on the market, that I found a way to reach uh, the owner uh, and that I've identified that there's something that's workable with them even though they're not for sale. Um, I always try and match them with an investor that I know will not waste their time. Now, a lot of times when you get these off the market deals, you don't want to waste the seller's time, which means you've met with them, you've convinced them to entertain an offer. Uh, They're not for sale, but they'll listen to it. And then You have to make sure that the investor that you match with them is not a person who's going to be undecisive. By By undecisive, I mean if we go through a process and we get an offer out and the offer is accepted and we go through the due diligence period and for whatever reason we discover things that we weren't aware of and that person decides to back up for fair reasons, this is fair game, this is part of the process. I understand that. And the seller will understand that and everybody understands it. However, if the person, if the investor is going to dick around with some uh, details that are uh, really not significant or not deal-breaking or that are just like uh, waste of time type of things, then uh, I lost the relationship with that seller. And if I lose the relationship with that seller, it's going to be very hard for me to bring another investor there. So the artful part of the deal is being able to identify what are the personality types on each side and what is the type of investor that will match not only the personality type, but also the investment type. So this matches the investor's profile of what they are looking for. Is one thing but also the personality types have to mesh now of course i will be brokering the deal in a lot of ways but the way people react and sometimes people's ego gets in the way of deals and that happens and that's fine but uh, this is what you want to avoid if you really want to solidify a relationship uh, with a seller and an investor so this is part of the artful part of the game so a lot of times with these off the market deals i've got one shot to make it count so i really it really goes deep into the thought process of who you're going to present to that deal and how are they a match for it. Now, it happens sometimes that it's not a match, but we're trying to increase our odds all the time of improving that, uh, that shot. Now, I don't, it doesn't always burn a relationship if it doesn't work out with the, with the, with the seller, uh, it is recuperable, but sometimes it's not because it depends on the on the situation and the process that got into it. So I, I want you guys to understand that there is an artful part of the deal and it doesn't just circle around your profile of investment, and uh, but it also matches, uh, we have to match personalities. And a lot of times, this is more complex part of the real estate side that people don't know. We are dealing with humans at the end of the day. We're not dealing with robots. Now, having said that, Uh, I'll give you guys a few pieces of advice on how to make an artful deal with an off-the-market seller. Uh, Number one, just give him what he wants. Give him what he wants at first. This is a low inventory market. The guy is not for sale. If you're going to negotiate for petty shit from the get-go without even knowing or doing the due diligence, usually when you have an off-the-market property, this is not a residential property, uh by not a residential property, I mean commercial is defined by anything that's five units or above because that c- is considered commercial activity. So you could have five residential units or more and that will be considered a commercial building here in Quebec. But whenever you identify that type of property, even if the property is on the market, you're making an offer conditional on seeing the units, which means they don't let you come visit and disturb their tenants unless you're a serious person who's written a formal offer. That offer has been accepted by the seller. So that's when your due diligence begins. When you're buying a residential property, you get to see the residential property first, you get to analyze it, you get to look at it, uh, you, you get access to a lot more information, sometimes you get to talk to the seller, sometimes you get all this stuff, and then you're able, uh, after, once you've made your offer, you're fairly confident of uh, the status of the property and where you're going, and then the rest of it is contingencies like uh, an ins- uh, building inspection and uh, analyzing some documents and stuff, and you'll go you'll go ahead with the deal. Now, with regards to commercial, or investment properties, it's different. The conversation begins when you have an accepted offer. Just as uh, when you uh, are looking at residential, once you have an accepted offer, I mean, right now in this market, 98% of the time, you're probably going going to closing, you're going to the notary, the deal's gonna close. Uh, With commercial, that's not the case. Uh, Most of our accepted offers don't work out, which means the conversation starter is always the offer. The due diligence begins after the offer. So if the seller, who's uh, on top of all that, not on the market, so his motivation to sell is not grand, but you've convinced them that it could be the best thing for him or her uh, to to sell the property or to look at other investments or whatever the case may be, depending on the profile of the seller. Once you've uh, convinced them and you've gone through the process, you can't come in with something uh, uh, with, a, with a haggling approach as you would with a property that's been on the market for three months and the guy hasn't sold and you're trying to haggle. It's not the same thing. And you are destroying uh, the, uh, the psychological, like this is a bad approach for psychological warfare. First of all, if you're starting in with a guy who's off the market and trying to haggle him, this is going to hinder the negotiation all the way till the end. And which means your likelihood of closing the deal is going to be very low if you start off very cooperative giving them what they want the price that they want conditional to you being able to see the units inspect the building review the documents uh, bring in your people or whatever other due diligence if there's an environmental test or so on and so forth and you put you you start off by giving them what they want and then little by bit you work through the process and then you see whether or not this deal is realistic at that price with the whole portrait that you have. Now, if there is some haggling to be done after the fact and you're doing it in a step-by-step process, sometimes the seller will understand and sometimes the, the, the seller, this process will reveal to the seller some issues about their own property that they weren't aware of. And then we could have a conversation about that on how we can bridge that gap if the seller is still interested in selling, if the buyer is still interested in buying, and if we could arrive at a consensus in regards to uh, how to approach these deficiencies, which affect your ROI, your return on investment, which affect uh, your cash flow, which affect the uh, XYZ. Now, having said that, the door always gets opened when the offer is accepted. This is not a residential property. This is not a house that's for sale on MLS, which has a lockbox and you went to visit. You only get to see the building after. You make those decisions after. And usually in a step-by-step process, you're going to have the offer accepted. You're going to go visit uh, a certain number of units. If you're satisfied with moving forward at that point, you may or you may not because you may go into the building and say, you know what? There's a lot of little things here that I didn't notice. I didn't notice that the hot water tank was... All the hot water tanks need to be changed. The electrical is still on fuse box. I'm going to have to change those. I didn't factor that into my calculation. Uh, 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 the plumbing is uh, uh, is old. Uh, there's, uh, there's a huge uh, foundation crack uh, in the basement. You didn't realize all these things. And you didn't factor that into your calculation. Now, you have a choice, and this is still free, which means you haven't spent any money yet. You just went to see the building. You spent zero dollars. You spent time. Uh, writing an offer, getting it accepted by the seller, and, and you're visually inspecting the property on your own. Now you have the choice: Do I pay for a building inspector to come and do a little bit deeper uh, process, uh, which is going to cost thousand uh, dollars plus, depending on the size of the building, and uh, submit the financing? Which right now, if you're going on an insured loan, um, you know you, you, there's there's a cost you're going to have to pay. An appraiser, you're going to have to pay uh, the CMHC costs. Like There's a cost. Once you've decided that, that's when you decide whether or not you're going to put money behind it. Now, if you decide to put money behind it, because you still think that you could arrive at a deal, um, now, you commit some money, you're, you're still not doomed to purchase the building. You still have other outs. What are your other outs? Well, you have the building inspection with an inspector. Now, where all the things that you suspected... Uh, and by the way, I didn't talk about tenants, because sometimes you'll notice that the quality of tenants are not up to uh, what you uh, 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 predicted, projected, or uh, maybe you're comfortable with, uh, with uh, tenants that are um, not, uh, not to your standard, but you want to buy them out or whatever, and you're noticing that the buyout might not be so simple, uh, or whatever the case may be. Once you get to that point, and you're committing to doing the uh, uh, building inspection and uh, submitting it to financing and uh, assuming these costs, you're still not doomed to purchase the building. But what's going to happen is once you do, uh, submit it to financing and uh, get your building inspection done, you're going to have now more resources, which means you're going to have a detailed inspection report, which you can use to convey certain messages to the seller, and uh, you'll have access to... Uh, the economic evaluation, which, by the way, I do for all my clients beforehand, uh, before they get in there, so they already have an idea of how much cash it's going to take to uh, acquire the property. But whatever the case may be, you'll be able to come up to certain, uh, uh, you know, you'll have a little bit more information. Now, again, if the numbers still make sense, despite all this, I mean, at the end of the day, your purpose is to acquire the property. But if your investment profile says that you're a flipper, well, it's a different approach than a person who's trying to hold it for five, 10 years. Um, And uh, sometimes if you're going to suffer a little bit today, which means uh, sacrifice a little bit of cash flow today or put in a little bit more money today, I mean, in your approach as a 10-year approach, you know, the numbers might still make sense and it might still be a viable investment, especially considering right now that we are in a low inventory market. Having said that, you still have number exits. You still have the exits if you want to get out. If you want to try and renegotiate the price, you may. And maybe the seller might be uh, open to having that discussion because he discovered certain things that he wasn't aware of, of his own property. So you're never doomed to purchase the building. It's just that when you're dealing with off-the-market commercial buildings, you are only opening the conversation once you have an accepted offer. It is not like a residential property. So once you have an accepted offer that's when you really start the due diligence and you really start the conversation with the seller. In residential, you're negotiating the deal beforehand because you've already seen the property and you have a general idea of what the status is and and the situation is. You understand the motivation. You've already dug that up. Now, commercial and investment properties is something that's very numbers-driven. It's less emotionally-driven. It is more matter-of-fact and it's more A plus B equals C. So if you're taking that approach with a person whose motivation to sell is not grand, then why the hell would you handle them from the start? Why would you start such a bitter relationship from the start? You're hitting your own negotiation, and that thing will end up costing you more in doing so. If you take a cooperative approach... Uh, you know, people ask me, what, why is your team called uh, Votre Equipe? Votre Equipe basically is I work in a team. I work in a team with my investors and I work in a team with the sellers that I represent. And when I work in a team with them, I'm trying to get everybody on the same page during the whole process so that we understand why is this guy buying, what's his goal, and why is this guy selling, what's his goal. And if everybody's on the same page... You're able to walk through the process, and we can do it in a comprehensive fashion. And sometimes the deal works, sometimes the deal don't work. And that's okay. It's okay if it doesn't. You know, the more shots you take on that, the more likely you are to score. But guess what? You'll miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. So I'd rather be on the side of taking shots. Now... Again, it's always an odds game, you know, like even they say that people who play poker and who count cards, I mean, I don't play poker, but apparently when you count cards, you only increase your percentage of success by 1%. But you know, 1% is uh, uh, nominal gains, but nominal gain plus nominal gain, little bit by little, you get to a deal. Now, in a market like this, every single piece of information counts, and every single advantage that you have over your competition counts. So if you have a if, if, if you're uh, working with somebody who's able to identify a personality type and a building profile that matches your personality type and your building profile, well, you already have a little bit of an advantage over something that's just shot out on the market to about 3,000 people. Now, I have a significant database. Um, does it happen that I will mass email some exclusive properties to try and dig? Yes, 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 because a lot of times what happens is you don't have uh, the profile investor on top of mine. But what happens is when they email me back, I identify the profile, and I say, well, maybe this is not a good fit for them, or this is good for them. I'm not trying to sell it to anybody. I don't want to have the problems. Investment properties start with a lot of challenges. Now, if I'm matching the wrong person with the wrong product, and I force the sale, this is problems for me after, which I do not want to have. And you know, I and a lot of a lot of cases, if you don't do your homework property, and you don't go through the process properly, it ends up in court anyway. So in this current market right now, uh, people are selling properties with no legal warranty. So you got to know what the hell you're doing. Now, I want to also address this um, uh, illusion that because you're uh, selling a property with no legal warranty at the risks and the peril of the the buyer, that this means uh, that you have no recourse if the seller uh, uh, blatantly had a latent defect. If the seller acted on bad faith, And uh, purposely hid something and sold it to you with no legal warranty. He's still liable for the legal warranty because he did act in bad faith, and this was something that was intentional. Now, that would void uh, the legal, uh, the no legal warranty. But having said that, it's just it's more of a a, a difficult to prove in court um, that that person um, did that intentionally or uh, hid some uh, certain information intentionally. Uh, and it's it's a procedural step uh, that, um, you know, makes it a lot more complicated, uh, and it's a lot more costly in court to go through that entire process. So you're better off knowing the whole portrait from the beginning uh, and not getting into that situation. Um, is it okay to buy properties with no legal warranty? Hey, you know, in this market, whatever advantage that you could get, you got to take it, and I'm not doing very... Uh, I must say right now, for most of my investment properties, uh, that is the reality that they're being sold with no legal warranty, but we're just doing a lot more homework. So the homework is important, again, and also personality profiles matter in this case, because what we're trying to do is we're trying to avoid that there be litigations in the future. You know, So I'm not thinking just about the deal doing the deal. I'm thinking about matching the right investor with the right seller. Why am I doing that? What is my selfish motive? Well, my selfish motive is I want that seller to work with me again. I want that buyer to work with me again. But I also want to make sure that this doesn't end up in litigation because I don't want to be tied up in court, and i got other things to do. And this is a a long-term thing. So how am I increasing the odds of success? Well, increasing the odds of success is good for me because, yes, as a middleman, I do get my commissions. But it's good for you. It's good for you because you get a better deal, and you get a more seamless experience when when you close the deal. And it's good for the seller because... You know, he might get at the end deal without having uh, to go on the market and have a, a, a whole a, a plethora of uh, buyers coming in and out of there and, uh, you know, going through offers that work, that don't work. It, it's just, it's a lot more simple. It's a lot more calculated. It's a lot more like, you know, uh, an assassin in over the night shoots the kill and leaves. It, it's easier for people to go through that experience. And I just want everybody to be in the mindset that the art of closing an off-the-market deal is not as simple as you think. It's not just knocking on the guy's door and making him an offer. Does that mean that you can't knock on a guy's door and make him an offer? Of course. But it's a lot easier when you've identified the motivation of each party, identified the personality profile of each party, and identified the investment profile of each party, and know where you're going with it. And this is what a legacy facilitator provides. This is know-how. And this is not something uh, that I've learned from doing one transaction. I've been doing this for 15 years. I've done a lot of transactions. And I can tell you that the better you get at something, the more you realize you know how not to waste your time. A lot of investors are going into the real estate game and they're wasting a lot of time or they're making bad investments. I got the cheats. I got the cheats. And if you want to sign up for the cheats, well, maybe you should reach out to me and ask me for my cheats because I got a whole ton of them. Yes, also, as... Uh, Mel, you were talking about the newsletter? Yeah, you could also uh, uh, reach out to me and subscribe to my newsletter on the various outlets. Uh, Melanie will put a link under the Legacy Facilitator podcast where you guys could uh, sign up. And if you have any questions or there are any um opportunities that you want me to analyze or if you feel like you need the expertise of a legacy facilitator in order to facilitate uh, the sale of your building or the acquisition of your uh, investments or even if you want to identify what kind of investor profile that category that you fit in and what is your personality type yes i said that i could also tell you what your personality profile is Uh, i could uh, give you personality assessments That will tell you exactly what kind of personality assessment you have, what kind of personality you have. And sometimes it's very demonstrative of why you fit in a certain profile. Um, Then reach out to me on the link that uh, we will leave below, the Legacy Hour podcast. So love to hear from you. This is Roger Vasallo, your legacy facilitator on the Legacy Hour, and good luck.